You are listening to the Ridgewood Church Podcast. David, in the first service, I just kept thinking to myself, I long for what you're experiencing here in the Twin Cities, here in this church, and I refuse to believe it's not possible. And so I want to pray and pray and pray, because what you're doing is you're not only changing cultures, you're changing how people view Jesus in a way that will be impactful for generations. We don't have very many guest speakers here, but I love when you come because you're a dear brother in Christ. Please welcome David Pierce. Yeah, we're so grateful for, for Paul, for this church. You, many of you lift our arms up in the battle and we can feel it, and I know that's the only reason that we're seeing all the amazing things happening around the world, and I agree you know, God's going to do that here too, right? And uh, so if things start going wrong, I know it's because you stopped praying. So don't stop. Uh, I'd just like to show a few slides. Uh, one of the things, if you would like to know, how do you bring Jesus outside of the church, uh, especially to this new uh, demographic that we have today that's been raised on pornography, uh, secular humanism, uh, there's so much confusion. There's a loneliness epidemic. Now, one of the highest rates of, uh, I mean, the, one of the biggest causes of death in the United States is suicide among young people. I don't know if you know that, but it's an epidemic thing. And it's not just in the United States, but it's everywhere in the world. And it's because of this isolation that people feel. I mean, you go to any coffee shop today and people are not talking to each other. They're on their phones. And so people are more connected but more alone. And because everyone is told that they shouldn't make commitments because of, of the confusion that exists, because of there's no absolute truth, people are becoming more and more isolated, more and more alone. But they don't look to the church because they think it's a dead tradition from the past. And so we need to know how to communicate to them like Jesus would in their language and tell them the truth. And so that's why I would encourage you to check out this podcast because we talk about those issues. We had on, recently we had a guest on there. His name is Cy Rogers, and he's a, probably one of the top speakers in the world today on the whole uh, gender confusion uh, issue that we face today. Uh, he, is, he is, I mean, he is an amazing, amazing expert in this whole area. And, and uh, he, so we had him on recently to talk about this and how do we handle this issue. Uh, we had uh, Brian Head Welsh from Corn. Uh, on as well just a couple of weeks ago uh, and again we have many m people on our podcast that really understands the kind of the world we live in today so uh, that guy on the right that's Chad Johnson he worked with Tooth and Nail Records in Nashville he's had a lot of experience uh, working with in the whole in the scene and has a lot of insight into that uh, and then next to him is Luke Greenwood he's our European director he grew up in Brazil and now he lives in Poland. Uh, again, he really understands uh, how to communicate Jesus to this uh, group of people. Like in Minnesota now, the highest group in Minnesota is the non-religious. You know, and this is, this is the situation that we're facing today. There's my son, Ben. He's the, um, he's the uh, creative director of No Longer Music. And then the guy, uh, the other guy there, he's like a homeless guy. Um, that we're trying to help. So, 
you should uh, check out that podcast. Oh, those are books there. Uh, but my son Ben was tired of my stupid books, and he wanted to write one that was more truthful. And so he wrote uh, Jesus in the Secular World. And so if you haven't, uh, if you don't have his book, you really need to get his book. I think it'll really help you understand and be more effective at reaching your neighbors and uh, basically the, the world that we live in today. Also, we're having a uh, send-off show on the 28th of April at Cedar Valley Church in Bloomington at 6.30 p.m. So you need to get some tickets. If you don't have any money, you can steal the tickets. Uh, and uh, I, that's all right with me, but it won't be all right with God. And uh, you'll, be, you'll probably eat you with worms or something, but, but I challenge you to do that. So it's been a really crazy time for me. I'm, I'm a little jet-lagged, and it's always hard for me to preach twice, so I'm going to pray that God will help me to do this. So Lord, <clears throat> I'm so grateful for this church, for the years of support. Lord, I thank you for Paul. I thank you for this, his passion, Lord. I thank you for those lanterns up there you know, of people who have given their life to you. Lord, I thank you for the amazing testimony we just heard. And Lord, I pray that this would be a mustard seed of what you do, Lord, that this would be a great, uh, there will be this great breakthrough, great move like they've never felt or seen before, Lord, because you want to do it. I know I'm praying according to your will, Lord, so let it happen, Jesus. Amen. Jesus said in Matthew 9, 37, there's a great harvest, but there are few workers. So there's a great harvest, and I know all of you are farmers, and uh, like I am, and so you understand what this means, right? The fruit is ready to be picked. All the hard work has been done, all this, uh, whatever you do, I don't know, planting and tilling and all that kind of stuff, and there's the fruit ready to be picked. So now you just need a tractor, and you need to go, and you need to... uh, do you need to, I was going to make a, a bad joke there, I was, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so anyway, so we're picking the fruit and we're putting it in baskets because the harvest is ready. But, but Jesus said there's not very many workers. Now I think there's lots of reasons why, but the, the, one of the reasons I want to talk about this morning is this. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.3, endure hardship like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Endure hardship like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Um, I can remember one time I was on tour with my band and we had a new Christian with us and we were having this prayer meeting and he said, while we were praying, God spoke to me. And I thought, wow, this is cool. You know, he's a young Christian, and God is speaking to him. And I said, what did, you, what did you see? And he said, I saw us on a beach, and we were standing with these girls in bikinis, and they were holding fistfuls of money, right? This is what we want. We want easy. We want things to be good. We don't want hardship. But Paul said to Timothy, endure hardship like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Now, I was in the army, not, uh, not the American one, but the Yugoslavian one. So let me explain that to you. When I was, uh, when I was in the early days of my ministry, I felt like it would be cool to join the Yugoslavian army. Um, me and this other guy, so we thought we could tell, you know, share Jesus with these guys in the army. So we, we uh, hitchhiked uh, to Montenegro, and we went, went up to the commandant, and we said, 
hello, we would like to join the Yugoslavian army. And they're going, what are you talking about? You're a foreigner. You can't join the Yugoslavian army. And so we went away, God, get us into the Yugoslavian army. I mean, it's crazy, you know, impossible. Come on, God, you think of the glory you'll receive if we can get in the Yugoslavian army. We went back to the commandant the next day. Hello, we're back. We would like to be in the Yugoslavian army. Get out of here! So then my friend said, we have to fast and pray, and I don't like fasting. And so we're like fasting and praying, God, get us into the Yugoslavian army. It was crazy, intense, a little imbalanced. But all I can tell you is one day, I was wearing a Yugoslavian army uniform, driving a Yugoslavian army jeep, getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning, singing the Yugoslavian national anthem. Hey, Slovenii, I'm in the Yugoslavian army. Now, these, guys, these men were tough. I mean, they were the kind of guys that grow three beards a day. Like, they have, like, they like hair coming out of their foreheads. They're just fur everywhere. And they're, they're the kind of guys that don't breathe any air that doesn't come through a cigarette. So they're laying on their bunks. As soon as they open their eyes, they're, they're smoking these unfiltered cigarettes, breathing, you know, smoking. And so we're thinking, how are we going to talk to these men about Jesus? And so my friend said, let's buy a bunch of cigarettes. So we bought a bunch of cigarettes, and then we got these little notes, and we wrote in Croatian, John 3, 16 and 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not die, but have everlasting life. And we wrote that in Croatian, and then we attached it to the little to the cigarettes, and then we handed them out to everybody in the church. I wanted to do that this morning. Paul wouldn't let me. <laughs> Cigarette evangelism. Why, why, did, why did Paul say that we, to Timothy that he had to have the attitude of a soldier? Because there's a war. Because there's a war. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to go to Bogota. You don't have to go to Amsterdam where we have people on the street right now preaching or Moscow where we have people on the streets right now preaching or many other places in the world. You can stay right here. There are people right here being destroyed. Not symbolically, but being destroyed. People are being slaughtered. We are in a war. So how do you expect to be in a war and act like a civilian? I mean, Paul was saying to Timothy, you can't be a civilian because we're in a real war and there are real, the real casualties and there's real destruction happening all around us. And he was saying to me, you cannot be a civilian. You need to have the attitude of a soldier. I was in Ephesus, the ruins of Ephesus, one time on tour. And I was reading about Paul when he was in Ephesus. And it says that when Paul was in Ephesus in Acts 19.11, that God did extraordinary miracles. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. He was experiencing miracles all the time. But he, it was saying that when he was in Ephesus, they were extraordinary miracles. Can you imagine? And it says that even handkerchiefs and aprons that touched him 
were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Can you imagine having so much of God's power on you that you take pieces of, of cloth, you know, of your shirt, and, you go to, and, and they go to people who are sick and they're healed? Can you imagine? I mean, we saw, we didn't see that, but we saw some crazy stuff in our recent tours. I mean, like the one you just saw there in Bogota, people would actually be coming to our shows not knowing anything, they would come to the concert and they'd be healed. And then they'd go, I'm not sick anymore. What are they saying? I need to hear what they're saying. I mean, this is what I want, don't you? I mean, this is what people in Minnetonka need to hear. They need to see that, you know, Paul said the kingdom of God is not talk, but power. It's not just theology, it's power. And we need to see this power. I need to see this power. But here's the other part of it. Paul was experiencing this, these extraordinary miracles. And what happened? There was a riot. And he had to flee. You want miracles? You're going to have riots. Where's the riots? Come on. Where's the riots? Everywhere I go, I see riots in the, in the book of Acts. I mean, I've been in a few riots myself in Amsterdam and in Beirut. We need, some, we need some riots here, don't you think? We've become so domesticated, so nice, so civilian. You know, and it says, where did that come from? Where, where did this civilian Jesus idea even come from? This is not the Jesus of the New Testament. And I want, and so do you, to see the power of Jesus. I need it. I personally need it. So the question before us this morning is, what are we, civilians or soldiers? When you're a civilian, this is how you pray. God, I want to do this for you. God, I, I, I want, you know, so, uh, God, help me with this. God, please show me you know, how I can avoid this problem. You know, it's the, it's the, it's the gospel of comfort. It's not the cross. But when you're a soldier, it's not, it's not like that. It's, when you're a soldier, it's, you come before your commanding officer and you say, oh, here I am. What do you want me to do? You are the commander. I am your servant. What do you want? I'll go where you want me to go. I'll sleep where you want me to sleep. I'll stay where you want me to stay. I am under orders. Tell me what you want. One time we were doing a we were we were playing in Beirut and we needed someone to drive our vehicle from Germany from Frankfurt Germany to Beirut Lebanon. We couldn't find anybody to do it because they had to drive through Syria. It's like we're like come on help us you can this will be amazing. And everyone's like yeah forget it. So <laughs> so there's this father and son in New Zealand. Like the other, you can't go further away than New Zealand from Germany it's a, you, without leaving the earth. <laughs> and they were going, we'll go. So they, they, they raised the money. They were on the 24 hours of flying to get to Germany without any, and then without any sleep. I mean, two full nights on the plane. They got, on the, they got our equipment and they started driving through Germany, through southeastern Turkey, through Syria to Beirut. 
and back again. It was amazing. It was difficult. They almost died, but it was one of the most amazing experiences as a father and son you could ever have in your whole entire life. Man, what a cool thing to do with your son. You know, to, oh, hey, we went fishing up north. We spent, the, you know, we got this, fr- this guy to fly us up north in, an, in our own guide and everything. Well, that's cool. How about if you do something like that? Whoa. Soldiers, civilians run away from the battle. Civili- or, I'm sorry, civilians run away from the batter, battle. Soldiers run into the battle. When we started in Amsterdam, uh, what is it? I think in January I've been in full-time ministry for 40 years. When we started in Amsterdam, it was not easy. We had hardly any money. Um, We had to teach our sons not to touch the needles on the street because of all the junkies living in our neighborhood because we didn't want them to get AIDS. And then right when we'd been working so hard, really pouring ourselves out, for two years we got this little Bible study group started in our house. And all of a sudden I got really sick. Next thing I knew I was in the hospital. This little Bible study that we'd been working for two years, that was gone. This couple that were like our right-hand you know, people, they left. I'm laying in the hospital. My wife, Jody, has our son, Aaron, who's like two, three years old, and, and Ben, who's just a baby. She's the, she would come to, on the subway to, to see me in the hospital, and I, I was feeling, I had this big abscess in my stomach. They said I could die at any, any moment. I had a tube going from my nose into my stomach, and I felt so weak. I felt like I was melting into my pillow. And I'm feeling so weak I could hardly talk. And I'm laying there. Everyone had left us. I'm laying there. And I felt, if I've ever felt God's voice speak to me, I felt like Jesus said to me, Are you going to quit? Are you going to quit? And I can remember saying to Jesus, I couldn't say it out loud, but I said it in my mind. Jesus, if you don't let me die, if you let me get out of this hospital, I don't care if no one's left. I don't care if there's nobody else. I'm going to do what you, I'm going to do what you ask me to do. I'm not going to quit, because when you're in a war, you don't quit. It's not an option to quit. When you're in a war, this is your, it's all in. It's 100%. You see, Jesus said in John 16, 33, 
in this world you will have trouble, but be of courage. I have overcome the world. How many breakthroughs do we not see in our life because we have the attitude of a civilian? So as soon as the difficulties come, we bail. God isn't wanting us to do this. We settle for something else. Oh, God changed his mind apparently because it's difficult, but because we don't hang in there, we don't see the breakthrough. We don't see the miracle that God wants to bring. Because we need to have the attitude of a soldier. I can remember coming back from Russia one time. And I was so, I was in Moscow. And I just said, God, I would just like to spend a day. That's why I said, God, I just would like to spend a day alone and just cry. That's what I felt. I just want to cry for a day alone. And the reason I felt that way was not because I was so tired. And I was really tired. And it wasn't because I missed my family and I really missed my family. But the reason I felt that way, I was so grateful for my life. So grateful that I could be a soldier. So grateful that I could do something that God was allowing me to do with my life. Oh God, thank you. Don't die in the rest home. Die in the battle. You know, I, I believe Jesus said there's a wide road that leads to destruction and a narrow road that leads to life. I believe as a follower of Jesus, there's a wide road and a narrow road too. You know, and God doesn't love me for what I do. You know, I can, he doesn't love me more if I help destitute people in Calcutta or if I'm an investment banker in Minneapolis. He doesn't love me for what I do. He loves me because he loves me just like I love my kids, like I love my grandkids, like I love my wife. That I don't love them for what they do. I love them because I love them. But God says to me, David, there is a narrower road going to cost you everything but it's the best take the narrow road now you know this isn't a message just for someone who's young being a soldier is something that God has for every single one of us until we take our last breath it means seeking God differently I was I I I know about these guys. They were businessmen. I don't know. They were like in their. Uh, I think they were like in their late fifties. I'm not sure exactly, but in, just businessmen that were authentic, radical Jesus followers, and they were just sick of not seeing the breakthroughs that they wanted to see. They felt God wanted them to see. So what they decided to do is not made at Caribou because Caribou is lame. They decided to meet in this, I don't, I'm not sure what it was. It was kind of like a cave kind of thing under, a, I don't like if it's in a side of a hill somewhere that overlooked the city where they were. And so they decided that they were going to meet in this kind of cave because soldiers don't meet in caribou, they meet in caves. And they thought, we're going to have to get up. They were, you know, they had to be at work early in the morning, so they would meet at like 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. 
So they'd made, we're going to do this. So they would get up 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, and they'd meet in that cave, these two businessmen in their suits. They'd meet in the cave, and they'd cry out to Jesus and say, Jesus, we are not coming. We are not going to stop. Come into this cave until we see a breakthrough, until we see our families reach for Jesus, until we see a breakthrough in our church, until we see a breakthrough in our community. We're going to this cave until we see a breakthrough because they were soldiers they prayed in this like a soldier would pray. When you're, in a, when you're in a war, you don't pray these kind of sweet, nice little prayers. When you're in a war, you don't pray that way. It's intense. It's a hardcore thing. I've been in, I've been in dangerous places. And you don't go, oh, God, give us a nice time together. Who wants to, wants to start? Oh, you? Okay, who wants, to, who wants to finish? You know you don't pray like that. It's like, God, help me. I need you. I can't do this without you. This is how a soldier prays. we got to stop praying like civilians. You, some of you need to go to Carver Park. You need to go there at night. You need to make illegal bonfires. Because soldiers do stuff like that. And you need to start, we're going to do this, you know. We're going we're gonna, to, um, I don't know, Friday night or something. We're going to make this commitment. And we're going we're gonna to go into Carver Park. And if it's, we don't care what the weather's like. It can, because it never is nice weather here. So who cares? You know, you put on all your, pol- your polar bear outfit. And you go out into the Carver Park. And then you say, okay, we're going we're gonna to pray until the breakthrough comes. Not, we're going to do it for a short time, you know, just to see what happens. We're going to pray until the breakthrough comes. And if it never comes, we're not going to stop. That's it. Yes. You want to see that breakthrough you've yearned for in your life? This is how it happens. I'm going to my neighbor. I'm not listening anymore. You know, like, like what was just shared, that's how I... He heard those angels banging those drums, and he talked to his father about Jesus, telling you, there's, you, those angels are banging those drums right now. And you need to go to your neighbors, quit making excuses, and not talk to them uh, indirectly. You know, you need to, in a loving way, say, man, I, gotta, I care too much about you not to tell you what Jesus did in my life. Be a soldier. The world is on fire. And he has called you to make a difference. And you feel like, man, I've been a civilian and I need to have more of the heart of a soldier. Someone said to me, you didn't ask anyone to come forward in the first meeting, you know. So I repented and I'm going to do it now. So if you're going, yeah, this was for me. I want to be a soldier. I, I want to not have the attitude of civilian. Just come up here and we'll just say, all right, Lord, with your help will respond, whatever that means. So just come. Just come now. We're not going to have music or anything. Soldiers don't need music. They just come. Right? So just come. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. If he's challenged you, if he's convicted you, just come up. Let's, let's respond. Let's respond. Yes. Yes. You know, we, it's... This is really, really the key, what I'm saying. So let's do this, right? I don't want to come back here next year, and, and I want to hear, I want to, like, like we've talked about before, lanterns everywhere. You know, Paul will be, like, just jumping around. He'll be so encouraged, you know, but it's, we've got to do this. 
Lord, together we stand before you. And we say, here we are, Lord, we, we, we respond. We've responded. We can't do it, Lord. I can't do it without you, but I'm not happy to be a civilian. I take what your word says seriously. I am not happy to be a civilian. And Lord, you've given us all different roles to play, but let us play them. And I pray that this church will start to seek you in a new way. In a radical kind of way. Lord, not in a, not in a religious or, or forced way, but really out of just this, this heart from you. And Lord, you are ready, Lord, to do supernatural things. Because that, that is your desire, Lord. So, Lord, stir us up. Stir me up. And I pray that every dream, every desire, every plan that you have for Ridgewood Church would happen. Bless my brothers and sisters. Lift their arms up in the battle. Make them bold and courageous, Lord. Let them be angry about the pain and the injustice. Stir them up, Lord, and, and give them practical, real steps that you want them to take, Lord, because I know that you will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.